Well, good morning, church. Man, it is good to uh, be together today, and I'm so glad we can gather uh, this morning as we continue uh, this, uh, this year together. It's going to be a great year. A couple things I want to tell you about just kind of as we get going this morning. Thank you, DJ. Uh, this past weekend, you may have uh, heard about this already, but this past weekend I was really blessed. Uh, we got to spend Friday and Saturday together as a leadership team, as elders and staff together over the last uh, couple of days. And I want to just tell you as a church, uh, man, what a blessing. Uh, we are so blessed with a wonderful group of elders and their wives and our ministers and our staff. And it was a blessing for me personally to spend this time with them. We, I want you to know we prayed for you. Uh, we prayed for this church. We prayed for God to, to continue to move in this place, for him to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. And I really believe God has been moving in our church, and, I, and I'm excited for what's around the next corner. But I want you to know you are deeply loved uh, by the leadership of this church. And a lot of you know that, but I just, I want you to hear it again. Uh, you are so loved. And it was such a joy for us to dream together, to pray together, to be together, and to think about um, what God wants to do in and through us uh, this year. I also want to let you know, one of the things we've been working on, there's a lot of dreams and plans we've had, we have kind of in motion. One of the things we've been working on is a plan this year, hopefully uh, in the next month, uh, to, um, to, to, to be able to ordain some of you to be ministry leaders in this church uh, as we continue to grow as a church, just like we've been reading about uh, in the book of Acts over these past few weeks as the church began to grow. For it to be able to grow, it had to sort of grow its leadership. And what the church in Acts 6 did is they asked several different people to step into this, this ministry leadership role, the servant leadership role to serve the church, to meet the needs of the church. And in the same way as we grow as a church, we have to do the same thing. And so some of you already do this. Uh, in a, a very official, unofficial kind of way. So for some of you, we're going to uh, ask you to officially step into a ministry leader role. For others of you, we're going to ask you to step into a gap where we need some help. We need someone to step into a role to help us as we grow our leadership and expand the leadership of this church. But we're excited. And we're praying, just like in Acts 6, that uh, we'll have men and women that are full of wisdom, full of the Holy Spirit, uh, well-respected by this church who can come into these leadership roles, who can, just like in Acts 6, meet the ministry needs of this church, promote the peace and harmony and unity of this church, and in a very tangible way, support the work of the elders and ministers here. And so I'm really excited about that, and I'm prayerful for that. I, I would invite you to pray with me, pray with us as we sort of move through this together. Uh, this is just phase one. I, I'm excited that in the coming years we'll expand this group of ministry leaders as our church continues to grow. Uh, but right now I want to just, just pause and pray and thank God for all he's done. Thank God for all he's doing and ask his favor once again over us as a church. So if you would, let's just take a moment and let's pray together to God. Holy Father, God, you are so good and your love endures forever. And this morning, as we gather again to worship you and to, to read your word, to think about your son Jesus, we want to just pause and, and we should do this more often, God, just to say thank you. God, thank you for who you are. I thank you for all you have done. If all you ever did was, get, was give us Jesus, it would have been enough. But, Father, your mercies are new every morning. Every day we wake up to the blessings of you, and we're so grateful. God, thank you for the way you're moving in our church. Thank you for the way uh, you're moving uh, among us. Your spirit is alive, and, God, you continue to do so much, and, and we pray that you would continue to do more than we could ask or even imagine. God, because we know that this this is not just our church, God. This is your church. And God, I know you have big dreams for your church. Uh, God, Jesus was clear. Uh, you want us to, 
to be disciples. You want us to make disciples of all nations, God. You want us to help people experience a growing relationship with your son, Jesus. You want us to live different because of what Christ is doing in our hearts and lives. And I pray that would be, be true and that would continue to be true of us in this place. Father, we love you and we pray all this in your name. Amen. So today we're going to end our series on belonging. Next week we'll start a new series, and it's called No Rival, No Equal, Forever You Reign. If you've ever felt like the world is spinning out of control, if you've ever wondered where is God, then I want to invite you to come in February as we talk about about the sovereignty of God, about the greatness of God, about the goodness of God, as we look at God through the lens of maybe one of his most famous prophets, a guy by the name of Elijah, Some crazy stories in the life of Elijah, but I think they highlight the goodness and the presence and the sovereignty of God. So I'm excited as we kind of dive into that next next week. We'll start that series together. But today we're going to end our series on belonging. And if you haven't been here, if you're catching up, I can catch up real quick. What we've talked about this month is this idea that really for every one of us, like in each one of us in our DNA, there is this need, this desire for us to have a place to belong. And I think All of us could agree with that. Whether you're a follower of Jesus or not a follower of Jesus, people get this. Everybody needs somebody. Everybody needs a place to belong, a place to fit in. Everyone's looking for that. You know, and some of you, if you look back on your life, or maybe even today if you're struggling, it may be because you're trying to go it alone. And the simple fact of the matter is that God made us for himself and he made us for each other. And we really believe, we really believe that the answer to this question, we believe that where you find true belonging is in the church. The church is God's new community. The church is, it was, you know, it began in the wake of the resurrection and ascension of Jesus. The church gathered, and we read about it in in the the story of Acts, where, where men and women who were giving their lives to Christ began to come together and it began to grow rapidly from, from 120 believers to 3,000 to over 5,000. It began to, 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 to continue to grow and spread as people began to put their faith in Jesus as Messiah, as the Son of God. But that large church, right? It, I think sometimes we, we kind of get lost in this, but scholars think and they believe that as the church was growing so rapidly, especially in those early days in Jerusalem, that what happened was they would gather in groups, Right? Of, you know, 30, 40, depending on how large the house was they were meeting in. So there were house churches all over the place that made up the one larger church that was the church of Jesus in those days, much like today. And that's why for the last few weeks we've really been encouraging you to join a, a home group, a small group, to get together with a group of people that you can do life with on a smaller level. And we could call those house churches, right? And those smaller house churches of Riverside all over our communities make up this one larger church that is Riverside. And we think that's so important because, because we believe we follow Jesus better when we follow him together. We believe that we need each other. We believe that you experience the love of God best when you're with the people of God. That it's through the people of God that you experience the love of God. You experience the unconditional love of God. And that's why you experience true belonging, right? Because the church at its best is a place where you experience the unconditional love of God through the people of God. The church at its best is the place where you experience unconditional relationship, right? Because that's what unconditional love is. Unconditional love is unconditional relationship. It's, it's me loving you the way God loves me, without condition, without prerequisite, without having to meet a certain set of criteria. It's, it's love in its best and purest form. And that's why you and I 
If we can be a part of the church, we should experience that on this level. But for a lot of us, it happens best on a smaller level with a group of people who are trying to follow Jesus together. And that's why, once again, here in January, we're we're relaunching these home groups to encourage you to be a part of that kind of community, to be a part of that kind of group where you can find a sense of true belonging. So this morning what I want to do is I want to invite uh, Jason Graves, our spiritual formation minister, and one of our members, uh, Maria Roberts, to come up and let them talk just for a moment about this idea of what it means to be a part of a group, what it means to be a part of a home group, and how that can hopefully impact and bless and encourage you in your own walk with Christ. Thanks, Corey. We get our stool situated here. We were going to do this interview uh, riding the tandem bike around the auditorium, <coughs> but we decided against that. Um, Is this working? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll just use the stools instead. Corey and I were talking about we, we wanted to, to have a, a time of, of kind of testimony, right? To have somebody share their experience of of what it's meant for them to be in, in smaller groups here at, at Riverside. And we've had, um, we've had lots of different expressions of those over the years, right? We even offer several expressions of them now. Home groups is a big one. But whether it's your, your Bible class or your, uh, a grow group, which you'll hear some about, we've tried other kinds of groups in the past too, and, and we'll continue into the future just trying everything we can to create smaller avenues, smaller venues for you to, to grow in a relationship with, with other Christians. And one of the things that I appreciate about, appreciate about my friend Maria here is that um, she has never been shy about trying those expressions, about being, being part of different kinds of groups. And so we wanted her to kind of talk for a few minutes uh, about that. I don't know how many years you've, you've been here at Riverside. It's about, been a while. About 10 years. About 10 years, mm-hmm. about the same time I got here. And uh, we've seen incredible growth in Maria over the years. Um, what, what are some of the, the small group experiences you've been part of here? Well, through um, our 10 years here, we've been through several home groups, um, a prayer partner group, and then just recently a grow group that is um, a women's group that just started last year. And what's, what's been the value of those for you? What, what's kind of your experience done for your faith? Um, I think just, just the significance of signing up for a group and um, seeing what God has done um, once we just sign up and seeing what God does through um, being part of that group, whether it be um, just seeing how other people do life, seeing how other people worship, um, and it, it, Corey said it, um, what I was going to say, um, on a, on a larger scale, I, I was able to meet people, but just seeing on a more personal level, how people, um, and just getting to know them on a personal level, just, just the way that they worship, um, seeing a way that Aiden and I can pray on the way to school in the morning. And just, it's just had such an impact on more of a personal level. And you can learn that while watching other people. I like that idea. I also like the idea of signing up being kind of a step of faith, right? And for a lot of us, that's the case. It's that really the, the first big step is getting involved in something like that, I think. Um, and, and I know some of you might be there. Um, and I think Marie is a great example of, of somebody who's taken that, that step in faith and, uh, and, and gained a lot of relationships in the Yes, and the, I'm an introvert, and it is, it is stepping outside of my comfort zone to sign up. 
but it's something that I want to do for, for Aiden and I. It is, um, it's important because I, I love our Sunday morning, but I'm an introvert, so I don't necessarily get to meet as many people as I would like to or make a connection or, or get that connection that I would like. So I know that small groups are the way to do that, and it's just proven over the last 10 years, so I want to continue to do that. You know, one of the things we hope happens in, in groups and in those relationships is that the love of God is shared. And that means experience kind of both ways, right? That you as a member of a group um, are able to receive the love of God through the, through the actions and through, the, through other people, but also have opportunities to, to share that love as well. Um, what, what, are, what are some of the ways that you've received that love? So one of the, the ways is from the first time that Aiden and I joined a group about 10 years ago when we first started. It was a way for us to meet, meet new people, meet new families. It was a home group, but we met up here at the church building. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I was able to meet several families. Um, one of them um, was Sarah Walker. And Sarah, you know, everybody knows Sarah. To know Sarah is to love Sarah. And she got to... And she loves that kind of attention, too. I did tell her that I was going to say her name <laughs> today. Um, and she got to know me. And at the same time as that home group, which I really enjoyed being a part of, there was a prayer partner challenge going on at that time. And the um, prayer partner challenge was meeting with one additional person um, and praying over several months with that person. And being the newbie, I didn't know who to pray with, was the introvert, um, and the people that I did know um, had already had somebody. So I thought, well, maybe I shouldn't do it. Okay. Um, but um, Sarah's like, no, I have other plans for you. And she said, I know somebody that's been here for a long time. Um, she had, she's married, three girls. Um, I said, well, I just got here. I'm single and a boy. What are we going to have in common? And it was God's love that we had in common. And we... Um, we met, we prayed for six months, and we went through the challenge, and now she's one of my favorite people. My voice sounds really nervous. Um, now she's one of my favorite people on the planet, and she's my, my BFF. And during the beginning of that time, when Sarah first introduced us about six months later, um, my mom passed away of breast cancer, and I had no idea that I was going to need Sheila's scriptures that she, that she sent me, um, her kind words, her uh, encouraging phone calls, and even just walking that journey with me to this day. And I just don't know if I would have eventually maybe would have met Sheila um, somehow, but I just don't know if it wasn't for joining a, a small group, just becoming friends with Sarah Walker, and then introducing to Sheila if if it would have happened in the time that it needed to happen. Well, and I mean, you talk about a step of faith because then you're talking about, you know, joining in uh, one-on-one in a prayer partnership with somebody you didn't know and um, to see God work through that in, in the ways that he has. Um, I know more recently you've been, um, you've been part of a few home groups, but one, one more recently that's meant a lot to you as well. It has. And um, just this past, this past home group, um, Aiden and I, a couple years ago, we, we hadn't been a part of a small group for a short period of time, and I knew that we needed to get back into the routine. And so I wasn't exactly sure where to go, um, what we needed to do, so we actually walked around the lobby. And we looked at the names, and um, he saw the Trevathan's name. 
And we saw that that meant that Will was going to be there. And he also saw several other kids his age that were on the list. And he said, um, I see Alan's name out there. I mean, Alan, yes. And um, he was, um, he's like, let's go there. And I thought, well, it's just around the corner from my house. And there's a lot of kids there. Win-win for this mom. So um, we ended up going. And it just was win after win after win um, with First, just Aiden really enjoying his time, and it wasn't just my experience. It was a family experience, and just having different ways of, again, having different ways of worshiping and just worshiping together as a group. Um, And then I walked away with a very, very dear friend that I wasn't expecting to walk away from. So, again, another just that leap of faith turning into God's love. You know, you've said a few things about how, how you've received God's love, but this is also an opportunity for you to show that back to others. What, what kind of opportunities have you had to do that in these groups? Um, I think just, just in the same way as, as I have learned through receiving the love, it's just being there. It's just um, praying for, for other people and listening and um, just this last year, um, and it's a very, very simple way, um, is to, I hosted a home group at, at my house this past year, and I don't know, um, it was a, I don't think I've hosted anything since a a play date with Aiden when he was three, and so it was just a, a fun way of, um, being able to share and have a, an open communication with other women, and I don't know if those ladies know what an impact they had on my life just by, opening up the time and the, and having the space, I had the space to do it and just loving back on them. But they were just such a blessing to me. I love how you said that. I mean, there's something in that, that kind of physical act of opening up your home. Uh, that's a step as well, right? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of symbolic of opening up our, our lives to other people and, and sharing through that as well. Uh, Maria, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. I know there's so many others who have stories like this, and we'd love for you to connect with them as well. Uh, let's give her a round of applause and thank her for, for her time. So, you know this. Um, we know this intellectually, but we have to put this into practice, right? That it matters. It matters that we take that step of doing life together. Um, we need each other. It's just as simple as that. We need each other. Uh, if I were to take this out and show you guys um, this $100 bill, I don't normally carry this kind of money around. I had to go to get this, so don't think I'm rich. I'm not. If I were to show you this and ask you the question, does this have value, what would you say? Some of you would be like, absolutely. Yeah, the teenagers were like, yeah, give this to me right now. I can go spend that really good. Some of you are in a season of life where this money has a lot of value because you need it. You know, there's a pressing need or something urgent or you're in a season of life where things are hard. Some of you, maybe you're in a season of life where things aren't as hard and it has value, but maybe not as much to you in the moment. But I think we would all agree that it has value. We, We know what value things have and we ascribe the value to them that they're worth, right? We understand how this works. Uh, But, you know, on the same side, if I were to show you this $1 bill over here and ask you how much value does this $1 bill have, we would probably probably all again agree that it has some value, but 
Probably not as much. Uh, none of you would maybe rush up here to get this like you would this, but you know that it still has value, but, but not as much as this. And if I were, and I'm not going to, so don't freak out. <laughs> so you're thinking it already, weren't you? If I were to burn this $1 bill, some of you might get upset with me. So, someone might object. You might say it's illegal to burn money, you know. But if I were to burn this, like it might bother you, but you would get over it because it's just a dollar, right? But if I were to burn this $100 bill, if I were to, some of you get nervous, right? If I were to get it close to the flame, like you would have a real, someone would come up and stop me because some of you need this. Some of you want to spend this. These guys need more Cheetos and PlayStation games. They need this money, right? It's worth something. We understand that certain things have tremendous value. And based on that value, we make certain discernment, certain judgments about what they're worth and how we treat them because of that value. Hold on to that thought. We're going to come back to it in just a moment. If you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to open it up. If you have a device, you can turn that on and look at Acts 9. We'll look at that in just a moment. Uh, If you've been tracking with us, we've been walking through the story of the church uh, in, in the book of Acts, which was written by a guy named Luke who researched this. He was an eyewitness himself of some of these events that happened in the life of the early church in Acts. And as the church began to grow, it began to face more and more resistance. Last week, we looked at Acts 4, where Peter and John were arrested for healing a man who was lame and, and preaching the name of Jesus. Uh, the resistance is continuing to grow. In Acts 9, there's a new character on the scene who's causing the church problems. And so in verse 1, we read this as Luke tells it. He says, Meanwhile, Saul Saul was uttering threats with every breath and was eager to kill the Lord's followers. So he went to the high priest and he requested letters addressed to the synagogues in Damascus, asking for their cooperation in the arrest of any followers of the way that he found there. He wanted to bring them, both men and women, back to Jerusalem in chains. Now, if you've read this story, you know this isn't the first time we read about this guy named Saul. He makes his first appearance in Luke's letter in, in Luke 7, verse 58. There, the religious leaders again had gotten really upset at another Jesus follower by the name of Stephen. So much so that they picked up rocks to stone him, and they actually killed him. And Luke says that while these men, these religious leaders, were stoning and killing Stephen, that the man who held their coats was a man by the name of Saul. And it's right after that, in Acts chapter 8, that Saul begins his personal campaign, his personal crusade, to do all that he can within his power, as a good Jew, to do away with this movement of Jesus' followers. And in fact, in Acts 8 verse 3, it says this, and I love this. I don't, but I do, you'll see what I mean. Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church single-minded in mission, destroy the church. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into prison. Saul had grown up under the instruction of Rabbi Gamaliel, uh, an up-and-coming teacher and rabbi who everybody respected and adored. Saul was known, he was becoming known as the next great religious leader for the Jews. And now Saul has taken it upon himself to go door-to-door to arrest the followers of Jesus, those who belong to, did you catch it? The way. I love that. Those who belong to the way. And put them in prison. 
and stop this movement of Jesus' followers. And here's what happens next in Acts 9, verse 3. As he was approaching Damascus on this mission, a light from heaven suddenly shone down around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. And the voice replied, I am Jesus, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city and and you will be told what you must do. The men with Saul stood speechless, for they had heard the sound of someone's voice, but saw no one. Saul picked himself up off the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he was blind. So his companions led him by the hand to Damascus. Saul, on his way once again to continue his mission and campaign to destroy the church, has a one-on-one encounter with Jesus. I don't know if you've ever thought about this. It seems like in the ministry of Jesus, every time Jesus affected someone's sight, he always gave it to them, right? He would always touch them or speak a word over them and heal them so they could open their eyes and they could see Jesus. But in this moment on the road to Damascus, in order for Saul to be able to see Jesus, he has to blind him first. And this isn't the message today, and this isn't where I really want to go, but this may be something you need to hear today. Is there something in your life that God needs to remove so you can see Jesus? Because in order for Saul to see Jesus, he had to lose his sight. And there on that road, when that light shone down from heaven, and he heard the voice of Jesus, you know what he heard him say? Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Why are you persecuting me? I am the one you are persecuting. But you and I know, I mean, this is true, this is obvious, right? Paul hadn't done anything to Jesus, had he? All Saul, I said Paul, he becomes Paul later. All Saul had done up to this point was going around and arrested followers of Jesus. But he hadn't done anything directly to Jesus. But Jesus says to Saul on this road to Damascus, why are you persecuting me? There's so many things we could take from this story today, but the one thing I want you to see today is this simple truth, that Jesus identifies himself with the church. And when Saul was coming against the church to destroy the church, Something of great value to Jesus. Jesus met him on that road and had a face-to-face encounter with him to tell him, when you persecute the church, you're persecuting me. When you hurt the church, what you're doing is hurting me. And that day when Saul lost his sight and he saw Jesus for the first time, he realized, when you hurt Jesus, you hurt his church. When you come against Jesus, you come against his church. And Saul began began to believe that. Later, he would write to the Ephesians. He would say that Christ loved the church 
and gave himself up for the church. Saul would go on. He would become known as Paul, and he would write to churches all over, and he would tell them, you are the body of Christ. That's who you are. The church is the body of Christ. One of Jesus' closest friends and disciples, a man by the name of John, would go on to say that, that you are the bride of Christ. And here in Acts 9, Jesus says he is one with the church, that when you hurt the church, you are coming against him. You are hurting him. Why? Why? Why would Jesus identify himself as the church? Why would, would Saul call the church the body of Christ? Why would John say that the church is the bride of Christ? Why? Because Jesus loves his church. Because Jesus loves his church. When I was a kid, we sang this song. I think you sang it too, right? Jesus loves me, this I know. Great song. I think we need to teach our kids that song. I think we need to sing that song. Some of you need to hear that again today. We say this often, but maybe we need to say it again. Jesus does love you. Like you are loved by God. And we've said this and we'll say it again. There really is nothing you could ever do to make God love you any less or any more. God's love for you is perfect. It is unchanging. You are loved by God. Saul was loved by God. That's why Jesus met Saul on that road. Even though he had assisted in the killing of Stephen, even though he was going to arrest more followers of Jesus, Jesus still loved Saul. There's nothing Saul could do to make him love him less. It wasn't. He loved him. And his love for him was perfect. His love for him was unchanging. His love for you is perfect. His love for you is unchanging. But Jesus doesn't just love you, right? Like, I wonder if we should change the song from Jesus loves me sometimes to Jesus loves us. Because this is also true. Jesus loves you, but Jesus loves us. Jesus loves you individually, but Jesus loves you collectively. Jesus loves you singular, but Jesus loves you church plural. Jesus loves you Riverside. And church, there is nothing that we could do to make God, to make Jesus love us less. Jesus loves his church. And I think we need to get back around this idea that Jesus loves his church. That the church is the body of Christ. That the church is the bride of Christ. And we've said this before, but I'll say it again. If you say, Corey, man, I I like you a lot, I love you a lot, but I don't like your wife, we're going to have a problem. (laughs) So what happens when you say, man, I love Jesus, but I just, I don't know about that church. Or do you know what that church did? You know what that church, how do you think that makes Jesus feel? Saul could tell you, when you hurt the church, you're hurting Jesus. Because Jesus loves us. Jesus loves his church. We are beloved together. And Jesus did die for you, but Jesus died For us, this is what we believe. That Jesus came and he gave his life for the church. And that the church and Jesus are one. Church, if you would, let's let's stand together. I, I play this game with my kids, and you probably have played it with your kids or your grandkids too. When I took my kids in at night, you know, I'll... I'll, I'll tell them, you know, hey, I, you know, I love you. And they'll say, you know, I love you too. And then I'll say, well, I love you more. And they'll say, well, I love you more. 
And then it begins the one-up game, right? And so I'll be like, well, I love you all the way to the moon. And they'll be like, I love you all the way to the moon and back, which is a book we read when they were kids. And then it goes on, well, I love you all the way to the moon and back two times. And I love you all the way to the moon and back infinity. Great. Well, I love you all the way to Mars. That's farther away, I think. Um, my daughter Emma, six-year-old, is the one that stumps me every time because she'll, she'll finally, she's figured it out. And she'll finally say, well, I love you as big as God. Thanks. <laughs> How do I one-up that? <laughs> I mean, I love you as big as God two times. That does, that's not possible. I'm God is, anyway. Thanks a lot. God loves you, church. Jesus loves you. He loves you with all the love of God. And that's why whenever we see something of value that might get destroyed, we get anxious and nervous because we know the value it has. That's why Jesus is so protective of his church. That's why he loves us and loves this church and loves his church so much. And I think we forget sometimes the church, this church, not just this church, but it's true of this church. We are loved by God. We have great value in His sight. He cares deeply for us. He is moving among us. He is a good Father to us. He does have plans and hopes and desires and dreams for us. He is with us and He is for us and He is watching out for us. And there is nothing we could ever do to make him love us less because we are of great value to him. And if anything were to come against us and try to destroy us, I'll tell you who fights for us. It's our Father. Because church, we are of great value to him. And today I want you to know that. We're going to sing a song and I'm going to invite our elders and their wives to make their way around the room and and this morning, if on an individual level, if you need to be reminded of God's great love for you, that I want you to know that you are. And if you felt distant from God and you have felt maybe unloved by God, if you have even felt, and I'll apologize for this, but if you have felt judged or unloved by the people of God, I want to say I'm sorry, but I want to encourage you to go to these men and their wives and let them pray over you and remind you that you are loved by God and you are loved by the people of God. You are loved by his church. But I also want us to walk out of here today knowing that we are beloved together. That God loves his church. That Jesus loves his church. And he is moving in this place for the benefit of his church, for the spread of his gospel, and for the glory of his great name. This is what we believe. That we are loved by God. Let's sing.